You're listening to a sermon from Metro North Church in Goose Creek, South Carolina. If you'd like to connect with us, visit us online at metronorthchurch.com. Well, good morning. My name is Howard, and I'm one of the pastors of the church. We're in a series called The Gospel, which means really good news according to Daniel. Let's stand out of honor for God's Word as we worship Him above all other kingdoms. We're going to jump in because Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful ruler on the earth at that time, says to three boys, "Uh, you're going to bow, right? And here's how the story continues. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent. And the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He decided... Uh, He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking around in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there's no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Would you pray? Father, our wonderful, wonderful elder David has already asked that your spirit would open our hearts wide to receive this good news. I add my request, open them even wider. 
would we really see Jesus Christ alone as our primary focus? Lord, help us today to take our focus off of ourselves and to actually spend some time paying attention to you. Oh, we want to see your son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, with your Bibles open, please be seated. As we've been walking through Daniel, if you're one of our guests today, we've been, uh, and, you, and you weren't here the last two weeks, we're actually walking with a church in China that in December, the pastor and his wife and many others were put in jail. I want you to take a look at this image. In December, this is an actual image of the pastor of a church called Early Rain Covenant Church, a church just like ours in China. This is a man who is getting arrested. Somebody took a picture of it to show that this is what's happening in China. Let me ask you a question. In your life, you haven't experienced that this week, have you? Someone coming to your door and saying, you believe in Jesus Christ? Off to prison. I doubt it. But have you been arrested with a goal of yours? Have you been arrested in a relationship that you hope would progress at a speed that you wanted? Oh, have you been mistreated this week? Have you been misunderstood? Have you been marginalized? If you're not a Christian, and we always want you to be bringing friends that are not Christians, if you're not a Christian and you question the story of Christianity because you think it really arrests you, it restrains you, it takes away your freedom. I want to tell you what I heard someone say a couple of weeks ago. I heard someone say, I don't really want to become a Christian because there's just too many naughty things that I still want to do in my life that I won't be free to do. And it got me to thinking, I wonder if I, if I could say to that person, what if you could be free not to do those things? Oh, we're glad you're here questioning Christianity because the good news from Daniel 3 is not be really good like these three guys. The good news is that God frees His people. The message notes, if you want to follow along, that's the title today. And you need to remember that this was a book written to Jewish people that had been thrown out of Jerusalem because they were worshiping idols. God's people were exiled into bondage in Babylon, and the first thing we see in chapter 3 is God frees His people when they won't fall down. That's going to be coming up a lot, freedom and falling down, freedom and falling down. Number one, God frees His people when they won't fall down. Look at verse 11. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Did you love how it said that over and over just so you get the feeling? It ain't just a fiery furnace. It's a burning, fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Now, this is very interesting in this story. The word set up is used nine times. You probably caught it when Tyler was reading. Nebuchadnezzar set this thing up. He set it up. He set it up. He set it up. He set it up. It's really important with worship to realize what we set up takes a lot of time and it gets a lot of our attention. Well, let's set up this story. 
25 centuries ago, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, went to attack Jerusalem. And guess who sent him? Chapter 1 says God sent him because his people were worshiping false gods. Daniel and his three friends were prisoners of war. They were Jewish royalty. They were captured, deported 500 miles away to Babylon. And Herodotus, a historian near the time, says that they would have seen an image of this, the temple of Marduk. Now get this, Herodotus tells us that inside this temple were statues, were images. In fact, one of them was melted down and it was 800 pounds of gold. They melted down another one of their primary god, Bel, and it was 20 tons of gold. Nebuchadnezzar was into golden images. He would set these things up, and Daniel and his three friends in chapter 2 last week were promoted very high because of a dream with a statue. Now, don't miss this. Nebuchadnezzar found out that in the dream, his kingdom was the head of gold. Boy, that could give you a big head. Chapter 3 opens up and his name comes up seven times. He's really getting a big head. The dream is about me and my kingdom and this head of gold. He takes it upon himself. Remember, nine times, I'm going to set up a golden image. Take a look here at what some people think the image may have looked like. All we know is that in Aramaic, it was 90 feet high by 9 feet wide. Now, those of you that know geometry and spatiality, that would be a weird picture if it looked like a man. A lot of people think it may have just been a large obelisk, you know, just a big pillar. What we know, though, is that he strategically stationed this beautiful golden object of worship on a plain in Dora. It was a flat plot of of land. Why? So everybody could see it. Okay, you might be thinking, Howard, what is the big deal? Here's the big deal. I thought my whole life that the St. Louis Arch was just this arch. Like, who cares? But Elaine and I visited St. Louis And when we went to the arch and I saw with my own eyes that it wasn't this little teeny arch, I was in awe. How many of you have seen the St. Louis arch up close and personal? I was absolutely captivated. It was beautiful. I thought, how powerful. Who did this? The different cultures, there were people from all kind of cultures around me. There were young people, there were old people. We were all looking at the same thing. Oh, we had a sense of unity. There was a sense of power. We were all sharing it. It was very organized. How do you go in? How do you get to the top? It was all very organized. Nebuchadnezzar summoned all of his leaders to come and worship, and don't miss it, fall down. How would they know when they were supposed to worship and fall down? Wait for the music. A preacher announced in this story the command of the king, when you hear the music, fall down. Oh, and if you don't, you'll be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. But hey, just follow the music. You'll feel it, and you'll know what to do. 
You ever notice that music has the power to manipulate your mind? The sounds, they slowly seduce your senses. It happens to me when I go shopping, and I don't go shopping a lot. But when I do, I'll go in and I'll see a shirt. And the music's kind of going when you're out kind of in the big area. And you're just kind of checking things out. You're just kind of feeling good. And you grab that shirt. You been there? For me, then I walk in to try it on. And when I put it on, I'm looking at the mirror. And for some reason, inside, the music's a little louder. It's pumping a little bit more. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, oh, my goodness. If I preached in this, woo! And then I walk out to show my wife or one of my kids, and they go, oh, my goodness, no. Why does the music mesmerize us and arouse us and make us think that, ooh, i got to get me one of these? And why does my family think I have such bad fashion sense? Just follow the music. What happened next? The music played in the story. The sight of that sparkling, golden, massive statue emotionally moved the crowd, and everybody was falling down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Chaldeans, a group of people that were particularly good at interpreting dreams, they were Babylonian leaders, they tended to like to survey other people. You work with people like this? They're kind of watching over your shoulder. They surveyed the crowd to notice who wasn't on their knees. They banded together. They went to Nebuchadnezzar, and they badmouthed those boys. It actually says in Aramaic, they maliciously accused the Jews. Malice. It's a quality of threat where you actually want to see somebody suffer. We would call it stick it to the man. In Aramaic, it actually means to chew somebody up in order to tear their reputation down. Why would these Babylonians, these Chaldeans, be motivated to go after these three guys? Possibly jealousy. Remember, these were Jewish slaves, prisoners of war, that were set as high as them. These men won't fall down. Well, then we'll tear them down in order to build ourselves up. Nebuchadnezzar, don't you see? They don't pay any attention to you. They're not serving your gods. They're not worshiping your image. Can I ask you this question? Who do you pay ultimate attention to? Maybe you can take some time this afternoon and just pray to the Lord about this. Who or what do you pay ultimate attention to? Nebuchadnezzar did not want these young men to stop worshiping their personal God. He only wanted them to add his God as their ultimate God. Worship is attention captivation. I feel for all of us today because we are constantly distracted with worship. Worship is attention captivation. I look in this crowd today, all of you, my brothers and sisters, and I know that you and I have many things in our culture that are trying to make us pay attention. Let me list a few. How many of you are right now wearing biometric wristbands? How many of you will go home and look at your streaming services or advertisements the websites, the channels. Our lives have lights that flash, vibrations that jolt, bells that ring, and they all vie for your attention. 
In fact, if advertisers cannot get your attention and keep your attention, they'll cease to exist. They're very motivated to get your worship. What do you miss, though, when we pay attention to things that are good but not ultimate? Let me give you an example. How many of you that are younger, you may, you, you, many people actually prefer when they're younger, or, or even if you're older, to focus on which Instagram filter looks best rather than actually enjoying the scene or the people that you just photographed. Sometimes I'll be with one of you and my phone will be going off and I'll just go, I'll just take a little peek. <laughs> but as I take a little peek, I stop peeking at you. These three young men will not fall down and give something other than God their ultimate attention. And Nebuchadnezzar, oh, he's furious. He is furious. In a rage, he says to these guys, is it true? Like, he cannot believe I'm the most powerful man in the world and I've set this music up and, I can, and you're supposed to, I cannot believe it. Is it true? I'm going to give you one more chance. Just fall down. You'll be well and good, he says. Or you might say, he says, you toast me or I'll toast you. Look at verse 15. That's a bit trite. It's a lot more serious. He says, if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver or free you out of my hands? Now, these boys were raised with a story from Deuteronomy. And the story was this. Two million Israelites were captured by Egypt, and Deuteronomy 4.20 says, Egypt was called the Iron Furnace. These boys are standing before the most powerful man in the world, threatening them with a burning, fiery furnace. And their story said, hey, two million of us were in that for 400 years, and we were set free. They knew their story. The boys would not budge. The boys would not bend. They would not fall down. They would not bow. And look at verse 16. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, three of my most favorite words in this chapter. But if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. The boys would not fall down. We are made, these boys are saying to him, in the image of our God, and we were not made to bow to, to a created image. We got no comeback for you, King Nebuchadnezzar, because our conscience... That thing that God gives us where we believe what's right and wrong is only calibrated by the love and law of God, not by you. We know the power and priority of our God. Your focus, Nebuchadnezzar, on this image is fiction. Our God can free us. He did it in the past. And that's a fact. But if not... Oh, listen to these boys. Our end game isn't to presume that God will free us. 
We just plan to pay more attention to his good purpose in our lives. Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the day, we trust what God decides is best, not what you think is best. Do you know the freedom personally of refusing to fall down in false worship to a good thing that demands you worship it rather than ultimately God? Oh, the freedom. If we worship God alone above all, you are free not to give inappropriate attention to what people think about you. But it comes with a price. Nebuchadnezzar's facial expression changed. It was filled with fury. In your life, whose face matters most to you? Whose face matters most to you when you make a decision? The face of a mere man or a, or a woman or the face of the living God. Nebuchadnezzar changes his face. Fire up the furnace seven times hotter and throw them in. When push comes to shove, our choices will reveal our true state of worship and it will come with a price. That church I told you about where they drug off the pastor and restrained him because he would not fall down Members of the church have been posting bulletins. Here's a post uh, of a bulletin of a man that got fired. Brother Pan Fei of the Early Rain Church was fired from his job at Yangshu Superstore. And since, I don't know if we've got a picture, none of us can read the Chinese. I've got, it, uh, I've got it here in English. He writes this. For believing in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the Savior of mankind, my employment with Yangshu Superstore has been terminated because they will not allow me to worship Christ on Sunday. He got fired. We live in a day of such loose commitments about God's commands. Wholehearted commitment comes with a cost. They would not fall down. Secondly, God frees his people when they do fall down. Look at verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. There are so many versions of Christianity that say if you just follow Jesus, life is going to be cushiony, soft. It is not. It is not. They fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. In Aramaic, it's the same word used over and over when Nebuchadnezzar said, you will fall down. They did fall down into this burning, fiery furnace. They were even wearing their festive clothes. They didn't even have a chance to, to do anything. They were grabbed. They were, they were totally controlled. They were abused. And I love this image. Uh, I love this quote from another member. On January the 12th, a member who's part of this church in China again said this, I'm going to pack socks and underwear, put on warm shoes, put on my down coat, delete everything from my phone, turn it off, and then go to Lord's Day worship. I will bring a printed Bible and take notes by hand. These are the worst of times. Lord and they're the best of times. The only question left I should is, is, should I prepare dress clothes 
or jail clothes. These young men fell bound into the fiery furnace. Have you ever fallen into a fiery trial? Bound. You cannot get out of this one. You cannot extricate yourself. I was praying this week about something that I can't fix, and I just said, God, help me. Have you been there? You don't have it. You can't fix it. Are you down right now? We use that term purposefully. Are you down right now, depressed in a heated situation? Maybe something recently happened to you and you still feel the heat of the moment. Sweaty palms, a hot heart. When you stand up and say no, blow the whistle. When you stand up for that which is God's, do not expect a shortcut around suffering. The right thing to do for God is rarely a path around suffering. You're going to fall down. Maybe you hear a powerful group of people at work having a conversation that's going in one direction. Are you willing to say, I see that differently? And here's why. That group may, no, they probably will rip your attention, reputation to shreds, and it will be very hard for you to ever prove you were right. Maybe someone is here who has fallen down and feels forgotten. Jesus takes this idea up in Matthew chapter 10 when he talks about the birds. Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will, what's the word? Fall. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I mean, there's a gazillion birds out there and they die or they get hurt in the wing and they fall. It's not this sweet little idea, oh, Jesus is thinking about the birds. No, there's a bird that's sitting in a tree and it's got a bad wing and it falls. And what's amazing about what Jesus is saying is he's saying, no, not one of them will fall apart from your father. Luke 12, 6 then adds this to the same statement about these birds, and not one of them is forgotten. Can you imagine a little bird right now is outside, falling off of some tree somewhere in the world, and it's going, I don't think I'm going to get back up from this one. And God's heart is looking at that little bird. The God who created that little bird is looking at that little bird. Adds this interesting statement in both of these stories, not even all the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows about you down to the smallest detail. I was up here a couple of weeks ago teaching, and one of my daughters came up to me and started to mess with my hair, and I go, what are you doing? And she goes, Dad, you got a hair out of place. God cares about you down to the smallest detail of your life when you feel you're in a furnace and you're forgotten. Look at Daniel chapter 3.24 with me. Nebuchadnezzar is taking a look, and he says, to the very guys that screwed and, and basically screwed over his, the reputation of these boys, 
He, he grabs these guys and he goes, hey, look, did we not cast three bound into the fire? The same group that tried to tear down the reputation of these, these guys. They answered the king and they said, it's true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four. They're unbound. They're walking in the midst of the fire and they're not even hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. I invite you to take a look like Nebuchadnezzar peeking into this furnace. Take a look at two amazing things that he sees. Number one, they are unbound. The ropes are dissolved. This is something that we need to know about walking with Jesus Christ. We rarely get free until we enter into the fire. And a lot of you are in it right now, aren't you? Oh. They are in the fire. Pain often gets our attention because it aims at what matters most to us. But it's not about the pain. It's not even about the predicament. It's so that our eyes finally look to the person Look to Christ. And did you notice this second amazing thing about being inside? There was somebody else in there. There was somebody else in there. Now, there's two answers, answers that pastors have given over the years. Answer number one, who was this that looked like a son of the gods? It was simply an angel. Simply an angel, a messenger to be there from God to be with them. But the second answer is that this was the pre-incarnate Christ. God loves to be present in things like a burning bush or a pillar of fire by night. We're not sure exactly who was there, but we know this. One man who didn't deserve to die stood with three men condemned to die. And that brings us to our final truth today. God frees His people through Christ who took the fall. Daniel 3.28, Nebuchadnezzar is now saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent His angel and delivered His servants who trusted in Him. They walked out with not even a hint of the smell of smoke on their clothes. How? They trusted in God's provision of freedom. Hebrews 11 says it this way about, these, about their faith. Who through faith quenched the power of the fire? How? Through Christ, because Christ arrives on the scene. He takes a righteous stand. He stands out in history, and He undergoes daily surveillance by all the morality police. He underwent painful inquisitions, so much so that He lived a lifestyle of being maliciously accused every moment. He was bound to a cross, feeling the fire of the whip, the thorns, the nails. He was naked and unclothed. And in order to be freed, we must simply focus on the free gift of Christ's death and resurrection. He took the fall. That means that He took our punishment. His reputation was chewed up and devoured so that our name in front of God is glorious. 
He loves us and calls us His own. God raised Him from the dead for our justification. He comes out of the tomb unbound, and He is still unbound. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. Nothing is holding Him. He is leading us as our King. He is unbound, and He loves to come into your fire and make you free. What kind of a God do we have? Galatians 5.1. Oh, Galatians tells us, for freedom... Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. After Wang Yi and his wife and a hundred members were grabbed and arrested, many of which are still in this fiery furnace, one of the elders of the church wrote a letter It'd be like Nate Arnold thinking, oh boy, they grabbed Johnny and Howard, and they grabbed Jackie and Elaine, and they grabbed a hundred of us. Jesus is still the king. I'm an elder shepherding sheep. I will write to my people and listen what the elder wrote. Beloved brothers, sisters, and fellow workers, and this is Lee Quiang, by the way. Since yesterday evening until noon today, over a hundred pastors, elders, staff, brothers and sisters have been taken away. As of now, we still don't know where they are, but thankfully we know for certain that the Lord's loving face is shining on them right now. They are within the gracious, sovereign providence of the Lord. He will be with them in the midst of their chains and trials. The Apostle Peter says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. May you welcome, filled with hope, the even heavier cross and more difficult lives that lie ahead. And he ends his letter saying this, go to worship next week. Listen to the preaching of the word. Do not hide in your homes. Christ is Lord. Grace is King. Bear the cross. Keep the faith. This is the vision that the Lord has given our church. May we obtain it, cherish it, put it into practice, and live it out. Loving you all, Elder Ying Quiang. I could see Nate writing something like that. God frees his people when they won't fall down. When they do. Because of Christ who took the fall. Would you pray with me? Father, it's an ancient story and China's far away. And yet, Lord, our brothers and sisters are right now in a furnace. And Lord, I would say everyone here this week has been in a furnace. We have worship disorders. We, we do not make you ultimate and we get stuck kneeling to things that will never save us, but you are the God that frees. Lord, if there was someone that came in here today, maybe they're a Christian and there's a sin that they just won't let go of. Oh, Father, I hope that you freed them today from its power. 
Lord, maybe there's someone that has been always questioning Christianity, and they see Christianity as the remover of freedom. Oh, Father, would would you help them through your Spirit to just tell themselves the truth? You are the God who frees. And Lord, I pray lastly for someone who's just so hurt right now. They are the bird who has fallen off the tree, and they will not get back up in a long time. Father, remind them that you are right there with them, present. They are not forgotten. In Christ's name we pray, amen.